Again, good morning. Uh, I do want to mention to you before I jump into this morning's lesson that uh, I will be starting a new Bible class today, a marriage enrichment Bible class. It's going to be meeting in the daycare, uh, the old daycare classroom. So if you would like to be a part of that, we would love for you to. Hope you're making your plans to stay and be a part of Bible classes uh, either way. But if you would like to be a part of this particular class, we would love for you to come be a part of it. It starts today, again, in the old daycare room. So we'll be in there when we're dismissed here in just a little while. The USA Today, the headline read, Milrow Miracle. Too soon? Was it amazing? Was it astounding? Did it surprise you? But was it really a miracle? That word miracle gets used a lot. That word miracle probably gets used too much. Especially this time of year. This time of year... Everything, it seems, that is a good thing or a blessing is often referred to as a Christmas miracle. I'll give you some examples that I pulled from headlines around the world. There was a lady who won the lottery. She won $100,000 in the lottery. And when they were interviewing her, she said, it's a Christmas miracle. There was another lady who, thanks to social media, became aware of a dad that she didn't know she had. And when they interviewed her, she said, well, it's a Christmas miracle. Uh, A group over in England who had managed to raise $78,000 so that they could put a new roof on their leaky old church building. When interviewed, they said, it's a Christmas miracle. Now listen, I'm not going to stand here and debate with you on what a miracle is or is not. I don't know how and when God works. He does that in His own way, in His own time. And He does so in in amazing ways. But I I do think it's important to understand what the definition of a biblical miracle is. Uh, According to Vine's expository, a miracle is power and inherent ability is used of works of a supernatural origin and character such as could not be produced by natural agents and means. So in other words, biblically speaking, a miracle occurs whenever God intervenes in a supernatural way to redirect the natural course of things so that His will can be done. Now, knowing and understanding that definition of this biblical word miracle, maybe you, like myself, maybe you would agree And say that quite possibly we overuse it. That possibly, if nothing else, maybe we use this word out of context on occasion. That there are things that are amazing. There are things that are a blessing. But it doesn't mean that they are as a result of a supernatural occurrence. But I do know this. Over 2,000 years ago, God orchestrated a miracle, a miracle unlike any other that certainly changed the course of human history as we know it. You know, we we began this sermon series last week where I told you we were going to kind of investigate this often referred to as the greatest story ever told and and how who was the, the, the who of the story? Well, the who of the story is Jesus, that that newborn king. That He is central to this story and to all of our stories. 
And that if you find yourself getting closer and closer to Jesus in your individual life, what you find is that it brings you more and more joy. And if you want proof of that, all you have to do is look to those wise men. Because those wise men certainly understood the facts of drawing near to Jesus and the joy that it brought. So Jesus, King Jesus is the who, but what? What had to happen for Jesus to enter this world? Well, before His birth, there had to be a conception. So how was King Jesus conceived? I know what you're thinking. Hold on, Blake. Aren't you a little too old to need the birds and the bees talk? Yes, I am, okay? I got that. But this is not your typical sperm and egg kind of conversation. Well, what happened is not the natural order of things. I want you to hear how Luke described what happened. And don't forget, just as a quick reminder, what was the occupation of Luke? He was a physician, right? He was a doctor. So I want you to listen to the words of Dr. Luke and the details that he describes for us. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one. The Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Wow. Three times in our text, Dr. Luke, by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, makes sure to mention a very important fact here. That Mary was a virgin. That is, that Mary had never been with a man sexually. And so the idea then of her becoming pregnant, well... One can debate sometimes on what may or may not be a miracle. But when someone comes to you expecting a child and they're still a virgin, that, my friends, is a miracle. Many years ago, I was teaching a class in jail ministry. And we were talking about the difference between just a blessing and a miracle. And I was trying my best to illustrate the point. And I wanted to refer back to this particular story. And I said to a gentleman, I said, listen... When you were born, your mama wasn't a virgin. He said, what are you saying about my mama? And I mean, man, he got real defensive. And like fortunately, one of his fellow inmates was able to kind of talk him down for me and say, that's not what he's saying. (laughs) You had a daddy. And the guy was like, oh, well, yeah. And I was like, okay, that's what I'm trying to say. (laughs) When it comes to Mary... There was no earthly father. That's a miracle. You see, 
Our God can do whatever He wants, however He wants, whenever He wants. And that is something that we should be very much aware of. And that's something we should be very thankful for. And that is something, quite honestly, at times, while we should rejoice, we should also probably tremble just a little bit. Knowing how truly powerful our God is. But, but, but was a virgin birth really necessary? I, I mean, I think that's a fair question to ask. Like, could it not have been? Would it not have been a little bit easier on everybody involved had they just waited until Joseph and Mary were married and conceived the natural way? Then all of a sudden, there's no awkward conversations. There's no judgmental look. There's no whispers about who the father may or may not be. I mean, there would have been a lot of heartache that could have been saved had she not been a virgin. Aren't miracles? Aren't miracles supposed to make a person's life easier? Typically. But not in this circumstance. What Joseph and Mary, this miracle that they accepted from God, it didn't make their life easier. But they were willing to accept whatever heartache, whatever trouble may have come as a result of carrying out the very will of God in their life. So why would they do it? Why why would they agree to this? Well, the Bible just told us that when the angel appeared and spoke to Mary, she was afraid. That's a normal reaction, by the way. I know sometimes maybe in our minds we, we have these pictures of angels, uh, whether it be from TV or art, and, and we, we picture angels as these like really sweet, demure, you know. That is not an angel from God. An angel from God is a messenger. They are a warrior. And when they are present, people are afraid. So the reaction of Mary was common. As a matter of fact, you go over just a, a chapter to when an angel appeared to the shepherd, we see the same and in the same region there were shepherds out of the field keeping watch over the flock by night and an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear so yeah who's going to tell an angel no right (laughs) so so there is a little bit of fear involved here but I don't believe that fear was the ultimate motivating factor for why Joseph and Mary entered into this will of God. I believe it was their devotion to the Lord. A devotion of faith, of trust. A devotion, a maturity that may not often be seen in people as young as the two of them would have been. A devotion that we surely can learn from. A devotion that says, you know what? God, I'm, I'm willing to make Your plans my plans even if it inconveniences my plans. Even if it goes against my will. I I understand that Your will is greater. I understand that Your plans are more important than even my own. And even if that means putting me out, even if that means making my life a little bit uneasy, God, Your will is so much more important than my own. A lot of times being able to see the work of God in your life begins when you're finally able to let go of whatever your own plans are in this life. It's true with Joseph and Mary, and it's just as true for many of us. 
But that's very hard for some of us, isn't it? Some of us, some of us live, you know, kind of from day to day, you know, like whatever God's will is, and we we just kind of go with the flow, and, we, and that's awesome. Others of us aren't quite like that. <laughs> Others of us are a little more scripted with our life, and 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 we have planned out our life from the very beginning, sometimes to the very end. And so we have scripted out in our mind exactly what we're going to make on that ACT when we're in high school. And, and we have scripted out where we're going to go to college. And, and we've scripted out what our career is going to be and how much money we're going to make. And, and we've scripted out uh, when we're going to get married and how many kids we're going to have. And, and we've scripted out where we're going to live. And, and we've even scripted out what our kids are going to do for a living. I mean, we've scripted out everything. And that's fine until your plans don't work. That, that's all fine and good until life happens and then all of a sudden all those things that you've been planning on, all those, those details that you have scripted until they don't come to pass. So then what do we do? Well, some of us, some of us will act like these things that are important to us aren't really important to us. So we'll just try to like push it down and suppress it and bury it and, and act like our life working out and our not working out uh, doesn't really bother us. But deep down, it's killing us. <laughs> like, like internally, we are really tore up about it. And that leads to eventually bad behaviors. Uh, it'll lead to thoughts that we don't need to have, very destructive patterns. I mean, a lot can come as a result of that. And So sometimes it's important to grieve that which never came to be. It's important to process that my plans, as maybe as well thought out as they may have been, as well intended as they may have been, my plans aren't obviously God's plans. And that's okay. And after we kind of grieve that, then we begin to process other emotions, right? Fear, worry, (laughs) anxiety that can suddenly come when... Our life isn't what we had always planned it to be. So that's the way some react. Others, man, others of us, we hold on to our script, right? (laughs) I mean, we refuse to allow anyone to edit our script. We, We will do whatever we have to do to make sure that life goes how we want it to go. And because of that, well, I've got an age in my life scripted. I'm going to get married. and well, Yeah, I know the person about to walk down the aisle. I have a lot of doubts about, but I don't care. I'm, I'm supposed to be getting married right now. And, and, and you know what? I've reached this next plateau of my life where I had it scripted out. We were going to be homeowners by the time we reached this age. And I don't care if we can't afford the home. We're going to buy the home because I'm supposed to be a homeowner at this point. I'd planned, I had planned in my, my mind I was going to be a grandparent by this point. And my kids still haven't given me the children, the grandchildren that I've always wanted and planned for and scripted for. And so I'm really going to put a lot of unnecessary pressure on them to go make my grandchildren happen. <laughs> Listen, whenever you don't let go of your script, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and give you fair warning. It's going to do nothing but cause unnecessary harm and sadness and destruction. Pain you don't ever have to go through 
if you'll just let go. But you're not willing to let go. (laughs) So you see, when I look back to the conception of Jesus and I look at Joseph and Mary, prime example, perfect example of why when it comes to my plans, it's fine to have my plans. But I need to hold on to them with a very, very loose grip in this life. And I need to be willing to let those go for whatever the will of God in my life may be. So that brings me back to my first question, though. Why was a virgin birth even necessary? Well, it was necessary so that the very nature of God, the nature of Jesus, would be seen and known that He is God. That He is divine. His deity is seen in His birth. What a a miraculous conception that this is. Here He is formed in the womb of Mary by the power of the Holy Spirit. He is divine. God in the flesh. God here on earth. Listen to what the Hebrew writer would write in Hebrews 1 verse 3. That He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature. He upholds the universe by the word of His power. Man. When you look to Jesus, when you begin to understand and to know Jesus, what you also see is that imprint. You see the nature, you see the character of who God the Father is. If you want to know and better understand who God the Father is, then you look to His Son. Because He was is God in the flesh. He was deity here on earth. And that deity was not something that Jesus shied away from. He didn't boast about it, but He certainly didn't shy away from it. In John 8 and verse 58, it says, Truly, truly, I say to you before Abraham was, I am. Jesus of Nazareth, who are you? I am He who was, is, and will always be. I am the beginning and the end. I am the very Son of God. I am God in the flesh. Didn't make Him real popular with the religious leaders, did it? (laughs) Someone claiming to be the Son of God, well, it put a big old target on His back. But you know what? It was a claim that none of them could disprove, wasn't it? I mean, when they they looked at Him, His his power, oh man, His power was absolutely undeniable. Jesus spoke and the weather obeyed. Demons were afraid of Jesus, not the other way around. Jesus restored sight to the blind, to those who were deaf. He made those who were dead be alive once more. That is a power unlike anyone else. His knowledge? Oh, no one could touch the knowledge of Jesus. And a lot of them tried, didn't they? They they would actually develop questions with the intent of trapping Jesus. But even in those moments, Jesus gave the perfect answers. His righteousness? Unscathed. Jesus Christ absolutely never chose to do the wrong thing. 
Never. Not once. And it's because of all these things and so many more that those who had ears to hear, those who had eyes to see, they could tell, they knew, it was absolutely undeniable that Jesus was more than just your average, ordinary, run-of-the-mill human being like you and I. He was different. They didn't like that difference. As a matter of fact, that, that difference caused them to go from being a little bit jealous of Jesus to wanting to destroy Jesus. But even that backfired on them, didn't it? I mean, three days later, when he got up and he walked up out of that tomb, a dead man risen to life once more, proving that indeed he was, is God in the flesh, that nothing is impossible for God. So often, the, the things in this life that, that you and I desire the most, they're oftentimes the things that, that we think are going to benefit our life individually the most. But, but with God, God always has the bigger picture in mind. God is always more interested in doing His will through us in such a way that it benefits, it blesses the lives of others while bringing glory to Him. That's what Joseph and Mary did. Their life, their devotion, their acceptance of baby Jesus. Oh, it certainly has blessed countless lives, including all of ours, and has brought glory to God beyond our comprehension. I hope that all of us can share in the attitude of Mary, share in the submissiveness of Mary as she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to Your Word. Listen, I understand that this miraculous conception, it, it had to occur so that the deity of Christ not be lost. I get that. But then I also wonder... Hey, listen, if God can do anything, any way, anyhow, then why put poor little Mary through the pain uh, of labor and childbirth, right? Why not let's just like zap baby Jesus down into the manger there in Bethlehem, like, like just beam him down, right? I mean, that would be just as miraculous and he wouldn't lose his deity. But then he wouldn't be human. You see, Jesus came to this earth to reveal to us the nature of God. That's His deity. But He also came to show us how we as human beings are supposed to live here on planet earth. So, this newborn king, he experienced everything that is a part of this world of ours. From the very beginning of making his entrance into this world through a human birth. He grew up in a human world and he experienced the temptations and he saw the brokenness and the sorrow and the pain. All those things, by the way, so that one, he would be that perfect sacrifice for us to restore our relationship with God. But two, so that we would have a Savior 
that understands us. That has walked where we've walked. That has, has seen the same temptations and heartache that we've seen. That's why the Hebrew writer right here in Hebrews 4, beginning in verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus is fully divine and He is fully human. And that's why this miraculous conception had to occur. Listen, if you're here today and you believe that Jesus Christ was born of a virgin, was born a miraculous birth, if you believe that that He lived a perfect sinless life where He performed miracles unlike anyone else, if you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and by the power of God was resurrected three days later so that you and I can have that hope of heaven that our brother Tony was talking about a few moments ago, so that you and I can have a relationship restored with our Heavenly Father once more. Listen, if you've never obeyed the Gospel of Christ, if if you have never reenacted the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in your own life by being baptized for the forgiveness of your sins, do that today. Submit to His will. Maybe you've done that. That's the starting point, isn't it? We continue to surrender. We continue to submit. We, we continue to live in complete and total devotion to the King of Kings. To the Messiah. To our Lord. To our Savior. Too often we don't live as committed as we should. Too often we get distracted by this life and, and all that it brings. And we ought not do that. I hope I hope that as we leave here today that all of us will share in that spirit of Mary. That all of us can truthfully say if we were standing before God this very moment, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to Your Word. We can help you with this or any needs you might have. Won't you come as we stand and sing?